0: Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad that you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Welcome to Live Free Church. I'm um, so glad that you're here, um, that you've joined us today um, from your living rooms. Uh, we're a church that we want to plant in Kelowna, but for some crazy reason, because of the pandemic, we're actually at home in your living room. And uh, Live Free Church, we're a church that's all about free people freeing people. And I think that your truest version of yourself is found in light of what Christ has done, not in your own accomplishments you're doing, but what Christ has done for you. That our faith is so much about, I heard this quote from this past week from Tim Keller where he says that our faith is something we receive, we don't achieve. I think that's so true about our church that we believe that your truest version of yourself is found when, in your identity in Christ, in Christ alone. Whether you, whether you like it or not, that we're being changed in this moment. We're being changed right now in a pandemic. You know, whether you, whether you are 82 years old or 22 years old or, you know, three years old, we're being changed In this moment, just think about the stories we're gonna actually share about to our kids or our grandkids about the moment in 2020 when, you know, for me to get a haircut, I had to mask up. You know, like the fact that we, uh, my kids were in school for last month. Like the things about the, the, the reality that we're being changed all the time. You see, we didn't, no one chose this, no one chose a pandemic. But the reality is we're growing up in a pandemic. We're growing up and we're changing because of a pandemic. You see, I think one of the things that that Peter here is talking to a church is being persecuted. And and if you look at the whole letter Peter writes in 1 Peter, in all chapter 1 is all of this whole idea of finding a living hope, that that we're actually being changed by circumstances, by suffering, by pain, by all these circumstances. But what Peter's saying is that you and I get to be changed by something different if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. That you actually are changed in a whole different way. You see, that God knows, he talked about this past week, but God cares about your mind, but He also cares about your desires and, and the things that you hold precious in your heart. Like, God cares about the, the things that we hold dear to us. You see, He's talking about the fact that, that we have a living hope. And this week, Peter's talking about this whole idea that, that our spiritual growth is so much like our natural human growth. You see, growth takes years. And actually, in, in chapter 2, verse 2, talks about this whole idea, like newborn babies, that we grow up in our salvation, that we're actually growing up just like infants, that we actually are growing up and maturing in our salvation. It's called sanctification, being set apart by God. You see, there's an order to growth. There's an order to our, our spiritual growth. Think about what it means that before we talk about the kind of the how-tos of how we grow and, and what Peter's talking about in, in verse both 22 to 25 about the ideas of how we actually grow in our faith, I think before we get, get there, I want to talk about just before the techniques about how, what is growth actually trying to accomplish in and through us? What is growth trying to achieve? See, I think, I don't know about you, but for me, whenever I think about a growth process in my life— A a process where I am being changed and being, you know, whether I went to school to do my master's, I remember the the feeling, I wanted to skip through the process to have the outcome, just to have the product. Like I want to have my master's, I didn't want to actually have to work through the process of getting that master's, I just wanted to arrive and get it already. I remember like that, that feeling when I was about 22 years old and I remember just feeling like I want to have this accomplished by this period of time. It almost was me saying, I don't care about the process, I care just about the product. About having the end goal, the master's degree. I remember actually having students with me. You know, in, in like we have David and Levi's pastoral apprentices with us, that that a lot of times when you're a student, you don't care about the process, you just want the product. And what Peter here is trying to say to people is that the process matters as much as the product, the end goal. And I think if we don't realize that what's the process producing. What Peter's talking about in 22 to 25, and then picks up in chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, that we'd actually, we'd actually forget the fact that it's not just an end outcome, but it's actually the process that's refining us, changing us. You see, Peter's talking about his, the followers of Christ and how you're supposed to actually learn from the process, even though it's so painful. That people are suffering and struggling for their faith and in that suffering and struggling, they're actually being changed and renewed because they have a living hope, because they're using their mind, because they're, they're actually changing their desires, because the thing that they hold captive in their heart is changing. You see, I think sometimes our spiritual growth is so often similar to our physical growth. See, when you grow up, your physical growth, just think about that for a second, it happens to you. Like I remember my mom when she picked me up at Bible camp one summer and she's like, you're so much different. And all I was, was I've waited for my mom for, for a few months, but I grew. But I wasn't aware of the growth that actually happened in my life. But I think in our Christian walk, if we're not aware of the growth that happens in our life, because, because we're becoming someone, that if we're not aware of it, we almost become Nothing. But if we're aware of the process of how God's actually working in this moment, in 2020, in a pandemic, who you're actually becoming matters. See, growth happens, I think, for the Christian when you realize that something has happened to you. Just like right now, in a moment where we're realizing that growth has happened, that something has happened to us, that we're in a pandemic, that no one chose this, but just like the cross. That Jesus, when he died on the cross for us, is something that we didn't achieve, but we receive. See, every religion says that you have to do something in order to be saved. But Christianity says that your growth is to realize that something has happened to you. It's an event that's happened to us. You see, you don't achieve your faith, you receive your faith. And your growth starts in that moment of realization. You can't achieve it. You have to receive it. See, grow, growth happens when you realize that something's happened to you over the, over the course of years. That you can't achieve anything that's been given to you as a gift. See, Peter shows, and Peter is an eyewitness to Jesus in verse 22. If you want to open your Bibles, look on the screen of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 here. and it says here, Since you have been purified, Yourse- since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so you have shown sincere, brotherly love for one another, from a pure heart, love one another constantly, because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living, enduring word of God. You see, what I think, what he's talking about, this idea, this realization, that there's this quote that, you think about the fact that most of our life, what he's trying to say here isn't actually taught. It's caught. You know what he's saying here is you've been purif- you've purified yourselves through the obedience to the truth. Think about that. The obedience, the, the purification happens not because of you and your doing. It's because of what Christ has done for you. But there's an outworking of your life and you can actually understand the obedience to that truth is, is if you actually believe it or not. If it actually affects the day-to-day of your life. I think of my kids all the time. that My kids pick up on these little nuances all the time in my life. The things that I say, the things I do, my mannerisms. I saw my son just recently when we were um, walking alongside a family who, who lost a husband and see my son have empathy and compassion for one of his best friends who just lost a dad. I remember sitting there thinking to my, myself, who taught him this? Like so much of our life is caught, not taught. Like my son saw my wife and I over the course of the last nine years of his life having compassion. And he has to actually bring that compassion to his friends. See, if you're a parent, your kids are watching you like hawks. They're watching the things that you actually believe and they're actually trying to process in their brain, does mom and dad actually believe this? Because it's caught, most of our life is caught, not taught. You see, I think there's a quote from Tim Keller He's talking about the church in North America, and he says here that that in our generation, in 2020, that faith is no longer going to be inherited. It's going to actually be only converted. That no faith is going to get passed down like the way it was, because we're such an individual society that we actually believe in individualism, that That people's stories, if you go to Bible camp, it's the funniest thing ever. People say things like, you know, I was raised in a Christian home or I was born in a Christian home. People are going to say that. People are going to say, the moment I heard the gospel, the moment the gospel became real to me, because our faith isn't getting passed down. You know, it's, it's actually no longer being inherited. You see, This is why we look at Christian growth. I think it's so important for us. It's so important for Peter when he's talking to Christians who are being persecuted. That when you look at the Christian life, it's not just always like just stepping stones, moving upwards. It's not always just a graph that's moving from the left to the right. I saw this interesting thing where it's like, this is what people usually on a graph, they think that, that growth only moves upwards to the left, to the right, sorry. But, but growth in the Christian life, I don't know about you, but for me, it's like all over the place. It's everywhere. Christian growth isn't always up and to the right. It can be all over the place. It can be moving forwards and backwards. It can be moving up and down. Like It can be growth in all different directions because life never stays static. You see, we believe As a church, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says here, "For by grace you have been saved through faith, and then not by yourselves. It is the gift of God. You see, our faith is lived out in obedience to what God has done for us. But it has to be lived out. You see, think about the things that when you're walking alongside Jesus, when you're actually desiring more and more of him, it actually has to be lived out. He's saying is that The end end goal is obedience, but obedience to the fact that you've been purified through Jesus. I think a lot of times moral monsters will take this kind of passage and say, man, actually it looks like if I'm just trying harder, if I'm just loving people more radically, it's like, no, you realize that Jesus loved you so radically and so passionately that it changes the way you look at people. changes the way you look at your spouse, the way you, you parent your kids. It changes everything about you. But a real faith looks lived out. That's what Peter is trying to say. You see, you look at yourself and you see that you're a criminal. In the last minute, Jesus steps in and takes your place. You know, you think about Cologne around this moment. The growth in Christ looks like Love. It looks like forgiveness. It looks like loving people, not because we're telling people just to love and try harder. It's because God looked at you and saw your brokenness and your suffering and your pain and your brokenness and said, I'm not going to leave Colby right there. I'm actually going to love him. He steps in the last minute. When you look at the cross, you say, This isn't just a cross for Jesus. Actually, this is my place. This is my posture towards Jesus, that actually Jesus came and saw me in the last minute. He actually took my place in the cross. And that is a, the a reason why we show love to Kelowna, to British Columbia, to Canada, to North America. It means you love people regardless of their race, regardless of their social economic status. You love people radically because Christ saw you in your deepest, darkest need and he loved you. see, when you look at this love, you talk about this idea of how do I love people like, like Christ? I don't know about you, but I, I stumble through this. I stumble through these moments where I don't know what it looks like to forgive people. I've sat in a moment with a counselor, bawling my eyes out, saying, I don't know if I can ever forgive this person, and it breaks my heart because guess what? Christ forgave me for so much more than that. Peter is saying here is if you put your faith in Jesus if you're following him you're born again not with perishable seed but imperishable through the living enduring word of God see when you grow up in Jesus you have to realize there's one thing that we all start we all start in the same spot and we're all infants I think it's okay for us to wrestle through this kind of awkward phase. Think about my kids when they were infants. Like, they didn't do anything, right? Like, they slept, they ate, they pooped. That's all they did. And cried, right? And giggled sometimes. But think about for us, when you're, you knew, know you're a new Christian, you know you are an infant in the faith, when you whine about things. Think about your identity, your, the way you compile your ideals and your thoughts and your, your morality. Like you, you just whine about all these little nuances of like, I can't believe Jesus would say that, or I can't believe Christians would do that, or I can't believe, I can't believe this happens. Like You become like, you know, like, think of like a, an infant that moves into a toddler and you're just like complaining and fighting about every little thing. Sometimes like for my own family, I'm like, why are we fighting about this thing at dinner? Like last night, we're sitting over dinner and my son's asking about his favorite Marvel character, and they're fighting over who's the better character. I'm like, stop fighting already. You see, you know you're an infant when you're just fighting over crazy little things. Maybe things that you made the ultimate thing in your life. The moral thing. See, I don't know where you're at right now in Kelowna, whether you're in your, in your living room, whether you're religious or irreligious. religious. See, before you became a Christian, I think we're doing everything we can See, every part of our body, every part of our soul, our heart is in opposition to God as Savior. That we actually want to be our own Savior. That's the thing. Our whole heart knows that it wants to be the most central person in our story. See, other people sometimes will will try self-salvation through immorality or irreligion, or people will try through morality and religion. See, it makes no difference because in both cases, there's a person who is smug and self-righteous, a person who is sure that God will love and receive him into heaven because they go to church. I see this people all the time: moral and religious people who think, "You know, what? I deserve a better life because guess what? I do all these things. I go to church, and I do this, and I do that, and I love people." And you see, they're doing the same thing as someone who is irreligious. They're trying to avoid a savior. See, moral people and religious people are doing the exact same thing they can, they can do is be as possibly good as they can possibly be. They don't need a savior. They think they are a savior. You see, that's an infant in the faith. As someone who's realizing that their place in God's kingdom is, is needed, like that God actually needs you, that like, God needs me, See, there's really no difference between the the religious person and the irreligious person. Because the reality is they're both in the same spot. Their whole hearts are united in opposition to the idea of needing a savior. See, when you're an infant, that identity is being constantly switched around. It's constantly a wrestling match. Because you can realize that your belief system, your structure, the thing that you've held onto for your whole life, the way your parents taught you if you were raised in the church or if you were raised outside the church, you still have Values that when you become a Christian, there's a tension point. Like, how could Jesus love like this? How could the church be for this or against this? Like, why should I wait till I get married to have sex? You see, your beliefs, the idols, the things that you hold most important to you. When you become a Christian, Jesus threatens those things, He threatens your worldview whether you're a moral monster or you're not a moral person at all, whether you're religious or irreligious, in your life, what he's saying here is you have tantrums, that when you're born again, when you're changed, you think it's because of you that God's going to work, but actually it's in spite of you. Peter's saying that everyone starts in the exact same spot, that when you become a Christian, when you're born again, you're an infant in the faith. But here's a question for us is how do we grow up in our faith? You know, the, the only thing, and you realize is that the only thing that lasts is the gospel. It says here that the word of God is what endures. In verse 24 and 25, it kind of explains. What this growth kind of looks like. It says here, for all flesh is like grass in all its glory, like a flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever, and this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. See, I think what growth looks like is understanding that it's not about you, that you're not the central figure in the story that Jesus is. His word endures forever there's a great quote from C.S. Lewis and it says here that Christianity doesn't make you think less of yourself. It's not like a a poor posture. It actually makes you think of yourself less. You're thinking more and more about who Jesus is. You stop becoming the hero of the story. You realize that this brief moment in your life is just going to pass and the only thing that endures is the gospel. So actually, I better take this moment not to buy bigger and better boats and houses and more things that are just going to break down, but actually, I need to actually bring the gospel to people in my life every day. I remember my friend who was in a movie, and he was like an extra in movies in Vancouver, and um, he was in this really well-known Jack Black movie, and my friend was like, you know, called me and was like, hey, do you see our other friends part in the movie? I was like, okay, I didn't see it, but I'm going to go and watch it. So I went and I watched it. And I watched my friend who was an extra in the movie. And I watched the whole movie. And guess what happened? I couldn't find my friend, right? Like I watched this movie. And I was like, I was like texting my friend. He's like, do you see him? It was so awesome to see our friend in this movie. And I'm like, I did not see our friend in the movie. And he said, oh, I'll go find it for you. He said, okay, like in, you know, in the 40th minute, Just fast forward there. And I fast forward and I didn't see him. He said, just pause it. Just pause the movie. And I was okay, so I paused the movie. I looked in the back and there was my friend. This little tiny character. Right? This little part of this little scene. I think that's kind of like what our life is like. Our life is like thinking that we're like the main character of the movie. But guess what? We're just like in this backwards tiny little spot. And that's the brevity of our whole life. Like That's the briefness. But that's how you know you're growing. You know you're growing in Christ when you realize that your life is brief and your life isn't actually anymore about you. It's about Jesus. Another evidence of growth in Christ is holding up, I think, the mirror of the gospel to yourself. When it moves on in verse, chapter 2, verse 1, one and 2, it says here, therefore rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word, so that you may grow up into your salvation. And if you have tasted what that the Lord is good. See, what it was trying to say here is that there's no other equalizer. There's no other mirror. I don't know if you but you, but if you ever go home and you and you go to like a change room, like you get used to the mirror at your house and you go to a change room and you're like, why do I look like that? Like, what's wrong with me? Like, the greatest mirror, you think about your life, think about your, your good deeds. You think about the things that you hold value to. When you hold it up in light of who God is, when you look at the scripture, when you look at the word of God, you realize that there's a great mirror when you hold up to your life that you don't measure up. Whether you're the greatest person on earth or whether you're, not, you're the worst person, you don't measure up. That's why we need Jesus. But see, your growth in Christ happens when you realize that you desire a mirror that you hold up to your life. When you desire this pure milk of the word, that you grow up in your salvation. Like you're actually growing, not by your own doing, but by Christ's work in you. But we have to still desire it. You think about your life, all the things that you have. This, You know, he's talking about malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all slander. Think of the pride that's rooted in our lives. The only way, I think, to get it out is by looking at the words of Jesus, by the words of God. When I look at, when I hold this Bible up to my life, I realize, man, like, this story isn't about me. That I'm not the central character, that Jesus is the central character, and I get to play a little tiny part like my friend was in that movie. You see, you hold up the mirror of Scripture to your life, not to weigh your life to see if you're good or if you're in or out. You actually hold it up to examine your life, to grow into something, to grow into a person like Jesus. You see, I realize that right now that we're in a moment where we're growing in a pandemic. That you are being changed. The way we view relationships, the way we view School and the way we view business is changing right now. But I hope and pray that we'd be a church that's so deeply marked by Jesus because of that we'd understand that the, this is such a gift to us, that the story isn't about you and I, it's about Jesus. That we wouldn't stay infants in our life, crying and whining about these little things, but that we'd actually look at the story of, of Jesus and realize that our lives are, are brief. But they're a gift. That we actually get to tell, Jesus to, 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 to tell people about Jesus all the time. But also we get to hold up a mirror to our life and say, man, like if you say, like, I'm doing pretty good today, hold up the Bible to your life and say, man, there's so many areas of my life that I need to grow in. Like If we're going to be a church that's driven by love, we have to hold the mirror up and say, how can we love people so radically different in Kelowna? It's not because of us doing something. It's because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. I would love for us to hold the mirror of the gospel, the word of God that endures forever. We grow up into that. Every day when I wake up in this pandemic, it's not I need more and more righteousness or trying harder. I need more of the gospel every day. There's moments in the past two months where I woken up feeling like I have nothing left in me. I'm just broken. I need Jesus in the gospel every single day. Not because it sounds cliche, but because guess what? When I, when I look at the story of God, it gives me comfort because guess what? Christ is gonna come and renew all things and change all things. And I would love for you, whether you believe this or not, to wrestle with who Jesus is. Wrestle with the reality that our lives are brief. And you hold up a mirror to your life. You think you're pretty good or you think you're terrible, that that there's a, a mirror you hold up to and it's the gospel. It changes every area of your life. And I'd love for us as a church, as people in Kelowna, Christians, to grow up into that. Not more morality or religion or rules, but to grow up into the gospel. Let's pray. God, I think about my life and how I think about who I'm becoming and how I'm growing in this moment in a pandemic. And Father, I pray that I would realize that my life is brief. There's a great realization right now that we're seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of people die from covid Lord, that our lives exist just for a brief moment and we get to actually understand that the one thing that endures forever is you. It's the gospel. It's that Jesus came to live and die and rise again to save us from sin, Satan, and death and to give us freedom found in that and that alone. Lord, help us to understand the deeper awareness of who you are, that that our lives aren't about ourselves, they're actually about you. And we hold up the mirror to our life that's the gospel, that we realize that, that you are a holy, incredible God that's using imperfect people just like us for your glory in Kelowna in 2020. And what a gift that is. Thank you, God, for your love, for the, the display it is on the cross, that you've loved us in our deepest, darkest moments, Lord. That we actually get to be all about your story in 2020, in a pandemic. That you can become more known. Lord, I pray that we become less and you become greater. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.